Church, we're going to continue in part four of Winning in Relationships. Help me welcome up our senior pastor, Chuck Boer. All right. And welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody here, everybody on the patio, and everybody who's online. A leading institute in the study of relationships found out something you already know. And that is that your perception of yourself and your perception of others is more strongly influenced by the quality of emotional connection you have in your family than anything else. In other words, the value you place on your life, the idea that you're living life to the fullest is found in those quality of emotional connection. And whenever you have that in a good way, you're going to be up at the top of the rock. You're going to be on the top of the mountain. You're going to be experiencing life the way that God wants you to. Pam and I today have that. But some of you know, and I've shared it before, that wasn't always the case. Very early in our marriage, we started going downhill. Rather than being on top of the rock, we were on the rocks. <laughs> okay, I thought that was funny. For all you watching online, nobody here got it. But we were heading downhill from God's ideal. We were tired. We were tired of each other. We were tired of our marriage. Uh, and the idea of going home, man, I'll tell you what, I, I, both of us would have done anything rather than walk into that apartment because it wasn't a home. And what did we do? Well, we called out to God. Psalm 61 says this. It says, from the end of the earth, I call to you. And listen to this last part. When my heart is faint, when I'm so tired, I'm so at the end of myself, I call out to God. And then I say these words, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And you know what? I want you to catch number one, you call out to God. Number two, God then will lead you to a place that's higher and better than anything you can imagine. Today, our marriage is incredible. Today, we're more in love with each other than we've ever been. And by the way, we're old. But we're going to love each other when we're 70, right? And 80 and beyond. And we're going to love each other just like we were 23. Why? Because we have a first love for one another. And you know what? Yeah, praise God for that. And there's a song by Ed Sheeran that talks about how we feel about each other. So I want you to hear that song. But Ed Sheeran asks a question. He goes, maybe this was all part of a plan. And guess what it is? We're going to talk about God's plan for winning at marriage. But by the way, in relationships, period. Father, we thank you that you've given us a clear plan to follow so that we can win, so that we can be at the height of heights, at the top of the mountain, living life and loving in the deepest, most incredible ways ever. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. When you lay so work like they used to before And I can't sweep you off of your feet Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? Will your eyes still smile from your cheeks? And darling, I will be loving you Heart at 20 
goodness let Casey know again how much we love her yeah wow wow so I want to give you back that quote again I was from the Bowenian Institute that studies relationships and they said this they said research has found that your perception about yourself and about others is more strongly influenced by the emotional quality of the relationship you have in your family than anything else In other words, something you already know is true is true. That is that we live life and believe we have a good life or not a good life based on love. It's like God put, and I really believe God did, put something inside you and I that's kind of like the dial that measures how are you doing? How are you doing in any relationship? So by the way, if you're single, don't don't tune me out on this one because you're looking for it too. You're looking for emotional connection. And that's the big key that I want to talk about is this idea of true emotional connection. So here's the other thing that's kind of interesting. Again, this probably won't surprise you. 88% of people said the reason they got married is because they fell in love. 88%. But we know that not all of those marriages are filled with love today. We know not all of them are thriving in emotional connection. And so God wants that to be the case. God wants that to be what happens for you. So again, I want to say if you're married, I'm going to give you four practical ways you can live out God's call, God's plan to have a better marriage. If you're single, I want you to be looking for that. If you're looking for somebody, that are you going to do that? And by the way, everybody needs to practice these four things, period, especially as believers. So we want to tune into that. We want to grab hold of that. We don't want to let go of that. 
But Pam and I had a struggle in the beginning, and here's why. Because we were complete opposites. Pam, in, on the uh, Myers-Briggs test, is an ISFP. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because she's an introvert, she's sensing, she's feeling, and then the P is perceiving. Now, I am strongly the other way. She's strongly this way. I'm strongly an E extrovert in uh, which means intuitive, and then T, which means I'm thinking over feeling, and then J, and that idea behind that is I, I, I tend to judge how to live life based on work before pleasure. Now, Pam is a P. She puts pleasure before work. By the way, Pam's watching right now, and I know you know that's true, right, Pam? I mean, if there's a job to do or fun to have, Pam goes for the fun. And I can't do that. Anybody else like me? It's like, no, there's something to do. We, and, and, but Pam's the opposite. Now, here's what you need to know. Is that Pam's personality is found in a higher proportion of, in prison than any other personality. <laughs> yeah, my wife's going to go to jail. But anyway... But you can already see what happens. We are opposites. And you know the old saying, opposites attract. Now I want to say as a pastor who's done hundreds and hundreds of marriages and hundreds and hundreds of couples in premarital counseling, I have found more often than not, they're opposites. Not always, but the highest number are definitely opposites. And Pam and I are opposites, so opposites attract. But you know what else is true? Opposites attack. Isn't that true? See, we get married and then we decide, I love you because you're this, but now I'm going to try to change you into this. And, and so that becomes my mission in life. So I would, I would get Pam and I would say, let's make a list of all the things for you to do. And Pam would sometimes go, okay, I'll make a list. Then she'd lose it. <laughs> it would just be gone. <laughs> Maybe on purpose. But anyway... It wasn't working. It wasn't working, so we did call to God to lead us to a rock higher than I. We called to God to say, how can we get through this together? And we began to understand that's what God wanted us to know because God wants us to also know something about the person we're married to. They're not made to be like us. They're made to be just right for us. In Genesis 2, when it talks about marriage, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is, and look at this, just right for him. Just right for him. Now, do you know what that means? The literal in the Hebrew is that fits together. So in other words, the Lord said to Adam, I'm going to make somebody who's not exactly like you. They're just right for you. In other words, it's like two puzzle, puzzle pieces coming together, and that's what God wanted Adam to discover. And it goes on to say, so the Lord God formed from the ground uh, all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave the names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still, there was no helper just right for him. See, just right for him. Now, again, if you haven't kind of followed what God is doing, God works this way all the time. So don't miss this. God very often knows you have a need before you know you have a need. Then God makes that need greater 
He makes you hunger for it more and then he meets it. Now think about that because if you get nothing out of today, you get that because God, that's how God works. So God knew that Adam needed Eve. So what did he do? He said, Adam, I want you to go out and name all the animals. And he did. He went out and he named the birds and, the, and all the animals. And he noticed that every animal had a pair. And he realized he didn't have one. Why? God wanted him to realize how lonely he was. Now, I got a feeling when Adam saw the orangutan, he freaked out. He said, please, let that not be mine. And then what did God do? God had him go to sleep. Actually, God put him to sleep. And he created Eve right, out of, right from him. And it says that when God brought Eve to him, he looked at her and said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Now, I don't think that's how it happened. I think he went, looked at her, he went, whoa, man. <laughs> I think that's what he did. And he was so excited, he got her. And then I think he looked at God and said, God, she's awesome. But what do I do with her? And the Lord said, give her a hug. And he comes back a little bit later. He goes, Lord, that was incredible. What do I do now? And the Lord said, give her a kiss. And he's like, okay. And he goes and gives her a kiss. He comes back and says, Lord, that was amazing. And he goes, what do I do now? And the Lord said, well, come here. And he whispers in his ear and Adam goes to Eve and he comes back a little bit later and said, Lord, what's a headache? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So seriously, though, how do we win at relationships? How do we really have it thrive? Well, let me tell you something that might be surprising to you, but was 100% shocking back then. Paul, the apostle, inspired by God, says that if you're going to have a quality relationship with deep emotional connection, it has to have an attitude of mutual submission running through it. Now, don't miss that. This is super important. Uh, when Ephesians 5 is read, I think that verse gets skipped way too often. It's the one that sets it all up. And it says, and further, further submit to one another. Now, he's talking about marriage. By the way, if you're single, you should only marry somebody you want to be in mutual submission with. But he says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If I love the Lord, then I want to submit to Pam. If Pam loves the Lord, she wants to submit to me. Wants to. Desires it. In other words, overarching everything in this relationship is the idea that you and I would live a life of mutual submission. And we would live that out for God and do it the way he wants us to. Jesus modeled that for us. We're going to go to John 13, everybody. Get ready for that, John 13. Um, Jesus came and showed how he was the Lord and he was the master, but what did he do? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. If I'm going to be like Jesus, I don't walk into my marriage wanting to be served. I walk in to serve, even as the man, even as the husband. Uh, and by the way, back when this was written in the Roman times, that wasn't the culture. The culture was the woman was a possession and the man was the Lord of the house. And, and you know what Jesus said? Nope. You, you live differently. You do it differently. And then he said something in John chapter 13. He said, now, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. 
Jesus said, if you know it's true that you need to be a person who serves, you're going to be blessed in serving. This, these, this powerful verse, this powerful call is found right after Jesus washed everybody else's feet and did what a servant would do. And he said, if you know this, now guess what? You're blessed in the doing. My marriage will be blessed if I come into the marriage serving Pam and she comes into the marriage serving me. And we live out an attitude of mutual submission. That's what the Lord wants us to do. So God's great calling is that that we would do that. And how does a husband do that to his wife? Well, look what it says in Ephesians 5 where it talks about this. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now let's take a pause a moment. Gave himself up for her. In other words, he died for the church. Jesus died so you and I could know love. So you and I could be forgiven. So you and I could have a relationship with God that's real and true. He died. And then it says, husbands, guess what? Die to yourself for your wife. Now, do you know what that means? That means that when I'm going to live out what I should do for Pam... Her priorities are more important to me than mine. In other words, I actually begin to to tune into her and see what matters to her and what's important to her. And, And I seek to lift her up. I need to die to myself to live for her is what Jesus said I need to do in marriage. And and you know what that means? Husbands, every husband in the room, every future husband in the room, are you willing to put her priorities above your own? Are you willing to put her needs above yours? And, and, and that's what he said you need to do. And it says, so that he might sanctify her. Now, this word sanctify is a cool word. Uh, it's where we get the word holy. But it's also where we get another word, special. He says, I want you to put her into a position in your life where you're serving her in such a way that she feels special. I hope. Man, I, Pam's watching right now. She's in Nashville, Tennessee. Pam, I hope you know there's no one else in the world that matters more uh, uh, to me than you and that you are the one I love and you are the one I care about and there's no one else I'd want and I wanna make you feel special that way. And that's what the Lord calls for me to do, yeah. And, And here's the thing, that's how you ought to love your wives, men. Guys, you gotta love your wife with that kind of passion, with that kind of love. She needs to know it. But here's the next thing. You ready? Get ready for this one. She needs to feel it. Because remember what that study said. It's not what you know. It's your emotional connection. It's the feeling of it. God gave you an incredible ability to feel. And he wants husbands to fan the flames of that feeling in his wife. And then having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Uh, By the way... uh, uh, Pam does not want me to preach sermons to her. You, that might surprise you. But you know what she wants me to do? Live out the scripture with her. You know how, how I wash her in the water with the word? By living it out. Not by telling her how to act or what to do. And, and a husband needs to do that. That he might present himself, the church, in all her glory. That's what Jesus did. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But she should be holy and blameless. She should always feel special. Always feel loved. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. 
And you know what? It's, it's, it's really true, I think. On most husbands, the vast majority of us, we would take a bullet for our wife. Man, if there was someone coming to attack us, I'd stand and give my life for her. But when I get a cold, <laughs> well, I love her, you know. By the way, isn't that interesting about when you're a mom and you get a cold, you don't get a day off. Is that true? When you're a dad and you get a cold, you want the whole world to stop and revolve around you. And you know what he's saying, though? What if you treated your wife like that? What if you treated your wife like you treat yourself that way? And in verse 29, he says, no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, we're going to talk about how you nourish and cherish her in a minute, and we'll get to that. But before we do that, let's dive into the wife section now. Uh, It actually comes before this one, and it's interesting how it begins. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. Now, by the way, I think this is going to be very important. Do you see these words right here? Be subject to? They're not in the original language. I don't know if anyone's tracking with me. The Bible, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. There is not one Koine Greek manuscript that has the word be subject to your own husband. It might surprise you. Whenever you see in in an English Bible the words in italics, they're added for the purpose of understanding, but they're not in the original. So what, it, what am I getting at? In verse 21, it says, be, in, be submissive to one another. And then it says, wives to your husbands. It actually doesn't call out this idea of being subject, but it does allude to it. It does say, be submissive to one another. And how do you live that out? Wives do that to their husbands and husbands do that to their wives. And so that's what I don't want you to miss on that. So it's really, I think, important to know that. But it says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands need to die to everything and so that the wife could live. The wife needs to serve in everything so the husband can be respected. That's what God wants to have happen. And then in the next verse, it says this, uh, or in in Ephesians 5.33, it says, so again, I say to each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband, must respect her husband. Um, Sometimes you'll have a wife say, but I don't know that I respect him. My dad and I want you to listen because I think you'll get this. My dad was in the uh, uh, Air Force. My dad was a career Air Force veteran. My dad rose to the highest rank he could rise as a non-commissioned officer. So he was a chief master sergeant. And he was, he, he was decorated. And very, very often, my dad would have young guys put over him because they were officers. They'd be lieutenants and captains. They would be very inexperienced. Let me ask you a question. Was my dad to show them respect or not? What's the answer? If you're in the military, all you military guys, what do you do? You respect the position. Would that be true? Wives, you need to respect your husband's position. If you say I have a hard time respecting him, I'm going to tell you who has the problem. You do. Now, I know that some of you are going, well, you're a man saying that. Yeah, I am a man saying that. But I'm going to ask you, did the Bible say it? Do you know the number one way to get respect? 
is to give respect. All parents, you want your kids to respect you? I always tell parents in counseling, start out what? Respecting them. You can't teach a child to respect you if you don't show respect to them. It just doesn't happen. So, wives, you know what I'm gonna say. It should be a joy to respect your husband. But if it's not, then you need to deny self and respect him anyway, and then see what you get from that. See what occurs. Uh, See how it happens. But God says, I want the wife to love her husband and serve her husband by showing respect to your husband. And so that means you value things about him. Now, here's what I want to ask you to think through with me. How do we practically live that out? How do we practically live that out? Well, I'm going to give you four A's that I believe will allow you to practice what we just learned from Scripture. And then you'll have an A-plus marriage, and you'll have a winning marriage, and, and you need to be active in making these things happen. So four A's, get ready for them. By the way, let me give you the parentheses. This matters in every relationship. Parents, give these four A's to your children. Uh, Friends, give these four A's to your friends. But what do you do in marriage? Look at this. Number one, the first A is attention. That's where you you really listen to the person. Uh, By the way, if you respect somebody when they speak, you listen, right? Isn't that true? Uh, when, when you care about somebody, when they speak, you listen. And so God wants you and I to be people who are actively listening to the person, paying attention to them. Now, to pay attention to somebody, typically you have to look at them. How many of you have ever said to your kids, look at me? Anybody? You know why? Because you want them to get what you're saying. So you should give the gift before it's asked for. You should look at the person. You should not be distracted. Uh, You should be able to pay attention. You ought to ask good questions. I think it's even more important that you do something else called mirroring. That means that you, you empathize with them and you tune into them. So when I'm giving attention to Pam, I want to listen to what she's saying, and I want to tune into her, and if she's sad, I want, to, I want to match her in that. If she's happy, I want to be joyous with her, and I want her to know that when she speaks, I listen, and I want her to do the same for me, by the way. I value that, and so you and I live this out by really actively listening, um, one time, Pam uh, was taking a photography class. Uh, she actually came to me and said, hey, I really want to grow in my fo- photographic ability. Can I take this class? And I said, sure. So she was nervous about it. And she went and she, she, she went to her class and she came home. And it was a night we had church. And she came through the door and I said, how was it? And I on purpose tuned in. She sat down and she's telling me, Chuck, I'm going to learn so much. And the people in the class are so fun. And she's going on and on. And she goes, oh, oh before I forget, I, I, we have a locker. I have to have a lock for the locker by our next class session. And I, and I said, okay. And she, then she went on to tell me more and more and more. And so I, I, on purpose, listened. And then I said, hey, by the way, I got to go to church. She goes, I know. I'll get the boys. I'll meet you there. And I got in the car and drove as fast as I could to Home Depot. I went into Home Depot and went in the section where the locks were. It was the hand of God. There was a pink lock. <laughs> Home Depot sells pink locks. 
I was like, thank God. So I grabbed that, ran over, bought it, and I realized I had enough time. I drove to a florist, went inside, got roses, as many would fit in the lock, put them inside a bag, and I drove to the church, got there ahead of her, and our church happened to be doing a thing we called Secret Sisters. That's where you would sign up and another woman would be assigned to you, and for a month you would give gifts to each other, and then there'd be a big reveal. So I I saw the table where the Secret Sister gifts were, and I put the bag on it. It said, Pam, really big. And I thought, this is great. So I'm, I'm going and doing my thing, getting ready for church to start. And I hear this loud scream. And the door opens and Pam's looking for me. She has the bag in her hand and she's running to me. I'm not kidding, crying. She's crying. You listened, you listened. And I'm like, yeah, got it right. (laughs) Got it right, yeah. So, you know, you gotta give attention to people and actively listen. And and you're gonna find, you're gonna find that, that your relationship has an ability to go to a level you never knew it could. Emotional connection will only happen when you give attention and listen. So that's the first day. The second one then is acceptance. Uh, We start by giving attention to them, listening to the person, getting to know them, and then accepting them for who they are. You love them for who they are. You see, Pam is really, really good at being who she is. She's really, really good at being who God made her to be. And I want to accept her for who she is. Is Pam a play-before-work person? You get ready. Yes. Did that make her a great mom? Oh, yeah. That made her great. That makes her a great wife. It makes her a great friend. And so I want to accept her for who she is and not try to change the the God-given parts of her that are there. And so I want her to know that. And by the way, let me say this. Everybody in your life needs to know that you accept them for who they are. And you, need, you have this huge feeling inside you to be accepted for who you are. So that's what you want to do. You want to accept them for who they are. And then the next thing is this. You want to appreciate them. So attention, acceptance, appreciation. Find ways to show appreciation. I would say that, you know what, you ought to have it as a plan every single week to find a way to show appreciation. I've told this before, but... I realized that one way I could show Pam appreciation was by being romantic to her. And I am a person with a to-do list. So I put out the top of my to-do list, be romantic to Pam. And she found the list. (laughs) And she came to me and she said, Chuck, what's this? And I said, well, I know that doesn't seem romantic, but I think it's more romantic that I make you the top priority. And she said, no, 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 I get that. But why is it checked off? (laughs) she didn't appreciate no I'm kidding all right so attention acceptance appreciation and affection affection by the way we all need affection we all need uh, uh, to, to experience affectionate touch in one way or another and so this creates pleasure and this creates bonding it's kind of interesting we know that God designed you for this God made you for this uh, uh, by the way so here's the thing whenever we show affection in marriage then what happens is, and we're doing it correctly by, by being tender, by being uh, matching the person in the need of the moment, then what happens is your brain releases a neurochemical called dopamine, and that creates heightened pleasure. Uh, by, by the way, and, and, and it's a neurochemical that takes pleasure to a whole new level. It also makes you more sensitive. Uh, it makes your skin 
actually more attentive and more sensitive to one another. And so now you start to experience this neurochemical God gave you as a wedding gift uh, in marriage. Uh, and then what happens in the wife, the wife releases a, a chemical called oxytocin. And that makes her lower her inhibitions and be more trusting. And it also makes her bond with her husband and desire him even more. Now, the interesting thing we know is it takes longer to release that chemical in a woman than in a man, which goes to the whole idea that, you know, the, that when you're intimate together, that the wife needs more time uh, because that's part of that, that neurochemical uh, that's being released. But it creates bonding. It creates a desire to be even closer to each other. And then in the man, you do release oxytocin, but you release more another chemical called vasopressin that makes you want to care for your wife. It makes you want to defend her. It makes you want to bond with her. And it's interesting. We know that these neurochemicals make you get closer and closer and closer and deepen your emotional connection. And so if you're a married couple today, I want you to go out of here and find time this week to get high on neurochemicals. <laughs> that one did go over. All right, so... In every relationship, there's a way that this needs to be expressed. But if you're going to have an incredible marriage, then all four of these need to be in place. You need to give attention to each other, acceptance to each other, appreciation for each other, and find real ways to show that. And then affection. And don't let the world we live in crowd that out. And it's so interesting to me that the Lord says... When a marriage is like that, you become a living testimony of who Jesus is. The Bible tells us something very interesting, I think. That we can know Christ. We can know God by creation, by our conscience, by Jesus himself. And you ready for the fourth one in a Christian marriage. A Christian marriage is to be a living expression of God's love and how he wants to interact with us. And I think it's so interesting to know that God does give you attention. God does accept you for who you are. God does show appreciation to you. You might be surprised at that. He actually appreciates you when you do things for him. When you praise him, that God appreciates that. When you give to him, God appreciates it. When you serve him, God appreciates it. And then God does show you affection uh, by the way, the Bible says something really cool. It says, whether you know it or not, God sings over you. We're gonna get into that more later. That God actually sings over you. That God could not love you more than he does. I talked about it a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago in the story of the prodigal son. I hope you all remember when the prodigal son's coming home, what does the father do? He ran to him and what did he do next? He, he embraced him, he hugged him and he kissed him. That's the picture of God. And when you get to heaven, get ready for the hug you're about to get. Get ready for the love you're about to be shown in a way that's beyond anything you can imagine. But you don't have to wait for heaven. You can have that right now. Because what I want to tell you is whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you come from a broken relationship or right now things are good, God wants you to have a love relationship with him. So let me go back to where I started up there. There was a time in my life, in Ham's life, where we were tired. We just didn't have energy to go on. And we didn't know if we wanted to. And we called for a 
the Lord. We called for him to lead us to a rock higher than us, and he did. Today, maybe you need that. Maybe you need God to come and lead you to a place higher and better than you can imagine. Maybe you need that for the very, very first time. You need to call out to the Lord and give your life to him. Or maybe you need to recommit your life to him. Or maybe you need to commit your marriage to him. Sometimes the recommitment we need is to commit our marriage to God. But no matter what it would be right now, I'm going to ask you to do that by how? Number one, praying. And number two, making it known. But if you love the Lord, I want you to pray for people right now who need to give their life to Christ or need to recommit. Let's do that together. Let's pray for people to say yes to God and to find him leading him, leading them to a rock higher, better than they can ever imagine. Right now, Lord, we pray and ask for anybody here or online or on the patio who needs to call out to you. I love that passage. From the ends of the earth, I call. Lead me to a rock higher than I. And I pray they're gonna call. I pray they're gonna pray. Right now, some of you, you need to pray that prayer. I'm gonna lead you in it. I'm gonna do it with you you need to do it. And if that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that would hold me down or hold me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. Say that. I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, then what I want you to do if you're online is text AMEN to 77247.